Amen. Hallelujah. Well, today, as you know, even as our young students and, and, and children go back to Super Church, is, uh, well, it depends. Last week was officially the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, but a lot of churches celebrated this week because it's closer to the anniversary of when it was instituted and, and implemented by Ronald Reagan during his presidency. That's a whole other issue, and we won't go there. But it is a day that's important for us to remember, and um, I, I just... I want to just share a scripture. It's, it's kind of a reminder, an affirmation, but it's something to, to challenge us and I believe will convict us. And, and it's convicted me as I look at my own heart. I mean, God's word does that because it's powerful. And, and I just pray that we are challenged and convicted by this so that we could become and be the people God wants us to be. I know I say that a lot in praying, but I want to be the person God wants me to be. I don't want to be who Bob Geruda wants to be. I mean, yes, I do, but as long as it's who God wants me to be, right? And that's one of the things, uh, sorry, I get on tangents, as you know, is we always tell our kids, you can be whatever you want to be. And we encourage them that way, right? And it's true, it's true, right? Our dreams, our imaginations, listen, but as far as Jesus, they could be anything they want to be as long as it's what God says is okay they can be. I, I, I have to throw that in there. Because no, it, it's really, it, it's true, but th- it's qualified as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. You could be whatever you want as long as God says it's okay, you can be that. Amen? Amen. And so we do. We want to encourage our kids. And, and God is so good, and he's making us, informing us, and preparing us for great things. I do believe that, even in these days that are, you know, they're difficult days. There's challenges. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But we have a good God, and he's got a great plan. And we know one thing, his plan will unfold. And the coolest part of it all is that, as a follower of Jesus, you and I, I'm a part of that plan. That could be overwhelming when we think about it, but guess what? Don't be overwhelmed, because Jesus is the master of the plan. Amen. He's got it all, and he knows what he's doing, and he's going to make it happen. He's coming soon, and as he comes to prepare everything for his return, we're part of it. And uh, so I'm looking forward to what, how God's going to use us into this year and into the future. It's going to be awesome stuff that we're going to hear great testimonies of, of how God is glorified through us. Amen. And that's what it's all about, God's glory. Praise the Lord. My text this morning is Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. Psalm 139. A very popular, well-known psalm to a lot of Christians. And as, as, as we celebrate the sanctity of human life, I want to preface and just start everything in the beginning of the sermon by just, and I'll revisit this with some comments in the sermon, but as a Christian, and if you are a follower of Jesus and you have been born again and your heart has been changed and, you, and, 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 and everything's changed, and you're a new creation in Christ, I, I want to just say, that the sanctity of human life, when we celebrate that and when we use that expression, that phrase, and when we talk about it, the immediate thing, and it's so, I think it's wrong, actually, I really do. We limit it. And when we limit it, we limit it, and we even limit God. Because the sanctity of human life is not limited and has not only to do with the abortion issue and unborn human beings in the wombs of their mothers. It has to do with all human life. Sometimes, that's hard for us. And you'll see why, without even getting in much detail, but I believe the Holy Spirit will convict you. It's hard, and we limit that. Oh, it's a sanctity of human life Sunday. And all of a sudden, we think about abortion and stopping abortion, and we want to save unborn babies, and we do, and God wants that too. That's, it's not limited to that. It has to do with 
humans in general, life, human beings, people, all people, not just babies in the womb. And so when we talk, we think about that, keep that in the back of your mind. It's really, really important because it's biblical. It's scriptural. And Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16 says this, For you formed my inward parts. And I'm going to read this from two translations. Just, 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 to, just so you get it. And it sinks in. The first one is a New American Standard, and the second is New Living Translation, just for the thought, and it flows really nice. For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I love the imagery there, it's just really cool. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, I can't help but stop there already. How many of you have looked in the mirror, and you're like, I don't know if I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, did you see that thing on my face, man? God, did you see my hair? Like, look what color it's turning. Did you see, God, did you see how I'm like, I'm losing muscle mass? Oh, God, I mean, I don't know, man. God, do you see that I'm, I'm, I'm gaining other kinds of mass? I mean I, I mean, I don't know if I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You look past all that. You look past the superficial. I'm not, I'm not putting those things down and saying they're not important. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying they are not the most important. And when you look into the heart and you look into your soul and who you are, who God's made you, your spirit being, and, and yes, and even your body because God made it, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. So when you look in the mirror next time, just say it to yourself. Lord, I thank you that I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. And then say this, like the psalmist said, wonderful are your works as you're looking in the mirror at yourself. A little change your perspective of who you are and how you think of yourself. It absolutely will, because again, you'll ground your perspective in the way God sees you. Wonderful are our works, and my soul knows it very well. This is a very important phrase because my soul, it's not just intellectual to my mind, but it's the deepest part of me, and it drives everything I do, all my perspectives about myself and eventually others as well. I am fearfully and wonderful made, and wonderful are your works. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. This is the New American Standard. I'm actually not sure if it's in the King James. I didn't double check. But this is an important phrase. You won't find this in other translations. That It says here that you, you, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. Listen, it's a, I don't have time. I'm not going to go there. A whole separate study on just that word and what the original word is there. Substance. It's who you are. And it actually connects back to your, the very essence of who you are spiritually, going way back to your connection to your creator, God. Your unformed substance. It's something that matters. It means, and, and, and it's, I mean, I'm sorry, it lasts. It's eternal. It's there. It's real. It's who you are. And it speaks to the soul and your spirit as well. And your body ultimately that, that carries who you really are. You, your person. Your personhood. Enough on that. And in your book were written all, were written all the days that were ordained for me. When yet as none of them was not even written. Then I'll read very quickly the New Living Translation. I just love how it flows. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed. I love it. It is powerful. And you're familiar with it. A lot of you, you've heard it. But listen, I'm going to just share, even as we read about that and how we get get excited because we realize that God's made us and he reminds us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I just want to take a minute and just, just kind of go to a dark side a little bit. We won't stay there. Well, maybe a little bit, but, but it's really important to go there. That, that there's this tragedy. There's this tragedy today. And it's a tragedy that started from the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden when sin entered the world and on. And how people viewed each other and what they viewed life and how they valued life and how they, they viewed the sanctity of human life and how sacred it was, right? So that, that's the foundation of it. But we are living now, fast forward. The tragedy is, and it's, nothing's changed. It's just been intensified, if I could be honest with you. The tragedy is this right now, is that human life is cheap. Human life is cheap. I know you don't like to hear that. I don't like saying it. But the reality is that today human life is cheap. Oh, I could give you all kinds of arguments and, 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 and to, to validate that statement. I could, I could give you all the figures related to the statement and statistics, but I'm going to refrain from doing that. Since, since, and honestly, and think about this, so many of us are so familiar with that and that we have been so numbed to tolerate the daily reports of how cheap human life really is. Unless it's my own, of course. Listen, I will say it again on the heels of this to validate what I said just as a scratching the surface and even barely doing that. This is not just about the abortion issue and saving unborn babies. It's not about that. Sanctity of human life is so much more. Listen, it's also about something that's blatantly out there on full display that human life is cheap. When you look at the crime that's going on, that there's no punishment for crime, that crime that is violent and deadly is okayed by our leaders all across our land. A blind eye is turned, ignored. That says life is cheap. I'm yelling it because I want you to hear that. Really hear that. It's true. Not only that, what about, what about the, 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 the loud, loud, loud voices that screamed out that life is cheap over the past few years? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pigeonholing it to one specific one, but I will say, and I will say it emphatically, every single one in all their forms, every single violent protest that has happened says life is cheap, especially when there was loss of life and disregard for the dignity and equality of all human life. It said, life is cheap. Who cares? It's my cause. I don't care. It's my opinion. I don't care. It's your view. I don't like it. I don't care. And we say life is cheap with all those things. 
What about the rhetoric that cuts? It cuts down people like crazy. It doesn't matter if it's the 46th president, which, if you don't know, it's our current president, or the 45th, or the ones before it. But all the rhetoric that all it does is divide and put down and tear down, and it doesn't affirm the sacredness of human life that we're all equal and that we all have dignity and worth. No, it's not one specific person. It's all of them. And it has nothing to do with political party. I get riled up about this because this is the truth. It's biblical and God, His heart is aching and breaking for all of this when He sees what's going on that the tragedy is that life is so cheap to us now. And we just don't care and we disregard. We don't care what we say and how we say it and what we do. And ah, life was lost there. Oh, I hurt that person. I destroyed their livelihood, X, Y, and Z. I'll deceive them for so many years. I'll tell them this is right. Then I'll change and say do this and then do and do that. And so on and so forth. Life is cheap. That's what everything is screaming to us. God doesn't view it that way. God doesn't view it that way at all, in fact. See, let me just give you a couple things that just struck, I mean, just as I have so many things that I could share with you, and I'd love to talk to you if you want for hours. Because I could, you know me. Do you know that in the 60s, there was something called the Endangered Species Act. And in the 70s, they made a more clear one, and I think it was 73, actually, my birth year, if I'm not mistaken. And then they kept making amendments to this act, with this Species Act. And there are all kinds of amphibians on this list, birds, dozens, and, do- and this is just in the U.S. The birds, clams, certain clams, crustaceans, tons of different kinds of fish, mammals, all kinds of reptiles, snails, and dozens of different kinds of plant life. Right? Now, I'm not saying this, because I don't think we should take care of that and not care, all right? But including all of these species, all of their unborn offspring were protected. Do you know what's not on that list? Humans. That are alive and well and growing in the womb, but yet, they're not on that list. Life is cheap. Human life is cheap. I read an article, 1984. You can look it up, Google it, do whatever you got to do. 1984, the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. You know what they did in Florida? There was a, a mother, a pregnant loggerhead sea turtle that had its front fins bitten off by a hammerhead shark. Well, they say it's a hammerhead. It was a shark. Maybe it was. They rescued it. And in those days, I don't know what the price would be adjusted for inflation or cost to today, but $200,000 went into this project to rescue and to rehabilitate and get it out to sea. Goodyear Rubber and Tire Company spent $35,000, and I wrote this down, to surgically attach fins on a pregnant loggerhead turtle that was attacked by that shark. And then, when they were talking about it afterwards, a spokesman for the company commented and said, we're doing this for motherhood. Human life is cheap. You've heard the stories, whether it's in Florida, Louisiana, California, even here in New England, where somebody gets arrested for stealing a turtle egg or an endangered bird egg. They get in trouble for that, right? They get get busted. And then they defend themselves and they say, but it's not life, it's just the egg. 
That's no good. That argument falls short because they get convicted and fined and they get paid pay to pay thousands of dollars and sometimes even get jailed for taking that egg because to the law, the turtle egg is alive but not an unborn baby. Not an unborn baby. Human life is cheap. And then there are some of the outrageous fines recently levied by our courts, right? If you do research, you can look at this again. Thousands of dollars and... We don't encourage this at all. God doesn't want us to. But thousands of dollars for killing animals, you know, that that just for fun or pleasure or just just recreationally almost, just to kill them, not for for food, but to kill them. And I mean, getting jail time, 10,000 bucks for killing a tree. In fact, even more recently, even way more than that for killing a certain tree in a park that happened. Thousands upon thousands of dollars. But listen, there are no fines for killing a baby in the womb. Even a partially born child. No fines. Life is cheap. It sounds so dark, and it is, and depressing. But listen, I just want to give you something. I want to give you God's perspective, because that's not God's perspective. God's perspective is found here in this psalm, in these verses. And first, listen, notice God's first perspective. The first perspective is that God creates people. He creates a person in the womb. It's not just science and just biology. It is God who creates people in the womb. And so, life is not cheap already. Look at verse 13 to 14 again. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. And in one psalm, In Psalm 119, verse 33, the writer says this, Your hands have made me, and they formed me. Just a picture in my mind of a sculpture, a sculptor who's taking everything, and he's making everything exactly to his specifications, and pressing, and carving out, and moving, and and just doing what he's got to do exactly how he wants it. That's the imagery there. That's the picture. The prophet Isaiah, in chapter 49 and verse 5, he speaks of, and he says this in verse 5, The Lord who formed me from the womb. And the 71st Psalm says, you brought me forth from my mother's womb. In verse 6, God, and even Job, he speaks of God in chapter 31 and verse 15. He speaks of God as he, that being God, who made me in the womb. And when the Bible speaks of fetal development, it usually talks about God making a new person. And we can conclude that the formation of a child in the womb is the sacred work of God. Now, I know I'm getting ahead, and, I, and, and I, I, I'm not, this isn't about the abortion issue necessarily, because this is part of it. But this is foundational to understand that all life begins in the womb, and it comes from God because it affects everything else from there on out, whether or not we actually believe all human life is sacred. And so it starts in the womb. That's why we're here. We can conclude again that it's the sacred work of God. God personally fashioned each of us in the womb just as He surely, and the Bible tells us, that He created and fashioned Adam and Eve in the beginning as Genesis 1, 26 records. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
Male and female, he created them. See, the Christian, the Orthodox view historically, the Christian believes that regardless of the human actions and the circumstances surrounding the conception of a child, every new baby comes from the perfect God who fashioned that child in his image in their mother's womb. And therefore, every human life sacred. Now, what do we mean by sacred? Sacred means this. There's some synonyms that we can come up with, but, but sacred simply means this, that it is holy. Not holy like God is holy, but holy that it is set apart for God. It belongs to God. And even more, another synonym, another word that we can use when you say something is sacred is that it is precious. It is special and precious, and it is set apart for God. It has so much value. It's precious, and because it's precious, you would do everything you possibly could to protect and to keep it from being harmed. Right? That's what we talk about when we say that human life is sacred and that humanity is sacred. Sacredness of human life starts in the womb. Psalm 103 says this, and we know Psalm 100 is that great praise song of thanksgiving and celebration, right? But it says in the third verse, it is He who has made us and not we ourselves. I'm going to read that again. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. Isn't it striking, I think, to realize that mankind's desire to be his own source is nothing new? I mean, it goes way back. Look at me. I'm a self-made person. I made myself. I will do this. I will make this. I, I will... I will make a baby. I will make X, Y. Just as an example, it's me. I'm doing it. And we, 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 we bypass the first cause of all causes, which is God. And God is behind the conception. He's behind life itself. He is the source of life, and He gives life. Several thousand years ago, this psalmist, right, he noted the same tendency in humanity, and we have it now, the same mode of prideful rebellion against God. I'm the source of my life. I'm in control of my life. I'm the giver of life. God, okay, whatever. Mankind wants to imagine that he can take credit for his own existence. But man's exaltation of humanity, listen, paradoxically leads to a diminished regard for the value of human life. Refusing to acknowledge God, what happens then is that he tries to fix his mistakes with solutions like abortion, infanticide, euthanasia, and many other things I will not name which destroy innocent human life. I can't sum it up any better way than quoting Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. Because If you want to see what this results in and what it's like and how it sums up what I just said about this pride that our life isn't our own, but sometimes we think it is, and how we fix the problems that have arisen out of our mistakes, our sins, our things that we've done wrong, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It's not a nice sounding thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. When we try to fix the wrongs in our own way and don't have 
the, the sacredness of human life because God created every human in the mother's womb. And then we have things that we've had over the past few years and decades and centuries in this nation and across this, this planet. And the end result is death. It's sad. It's sobering. It's, it's, it's sick. It's sin. So notice that God creates people. He creates a person in the womb. God is the creator of every human being. Secondly, notice in verse 15 to 16 that our text shows us that God knows us even before we breathe our first breath. God knows us in our mother's womb, the Bible tells us, and it is true. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. God knows each person intimately before conception. Before conception. Jeremiah 1.5, God said to the prophet, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Man, oh, it just breaks, because I'm going to think about how life is cheapened. God knew you, God knew every human being before they were even formed in their mother's womb. Before you were born, he said to Jeremiah, I set you apart and I appointed you as my spokesman to the world. And he was a powerful prophet. Not popular, but powerful. When does human life begin? When does it begin? The Bible has only one answer. And as we examine the passages about prenatal life, we can see that it is regarded with no, there's no less reverence than postnatal life. I mean, if you look in the Old Testament, the protections of a pregnant mother and her child and that child in the womb, and there were severe consequences and prices to be paid if that child was, that life was taken, or both. And, and others, you can read, God values human life, and human life is sacred. Science also has only one answer. Over a century ago, well over a century ago, when the development of microscopes made it possible to observe the fertilization event, it has been obvious that human life begins at conception and nowhere else. I said it in the first service, I've mentioned it in previous Sunday school classes we've had when we've talked about this issue. There is not a biologist who is intellectually honest and consistent with scientific facts that can tell you that life does not begin at conception. Look it up. I'd love to see a consensus that says otherwise. I'd love to see even 1% that says that. You will not find that because life begins at conception. Listen, you look at these new technologies we have, like the ultrasound imaging of the unborn now, they have only lent more strength to the fact that unborn children are living members of our human community. Even though you don't see them. Just as that fertilized eagle egg is part of the eagle community, for crying out loud. Look, any search... If you, may, you, could find, you can go as deep as you want and search for a hypothetical dividing line that marks the beginning of personhood 
at some point later than conception, and it will be fruitless. I'm just telling you, try it. There was a Jewish doctor, I read about this. He couldn't find that line, when does personhood start? Because by the way, it starts even before the womb, but at conception, in reality, it starts there. And this Jewish doctor, he couldn't find that dividing line. And so he made this apt comparison of his search for the beginning of personhood with the traditional ceremony that marks the beginning of manhood for a Jewish boy at age 13. You know what that's called? The bar mitzvah, right? And you know what he said? This is what he said. There is no bar mitzvah in the womb. There is no dividing line. Personhood starts at conception. Where is that point? There is no point at which we cease being pregnancy tissue and suddenly we become human beings. Starting at conception, each of us gradually passes through the various stages that make up the human life cycle. And we learn about that and we know that. Each of us, whether it's the newly conceived in the womb, whether, or it's the fetus, the newborn, the toddler, the adolescent, the adult, the elderly are at some stage in that gradual process called the life cycle. Right? God knows. God knows us even before we took our first breath. He created you and He knew you in your mother's womb and you were a person growing in your mother's womb and God values you and created you as a sacred individual being. Look, each step, every breath that we take, right? Think about this. When we think about the third and final point here, about what we find in our text, and lesson that we should learn about the sacredness of human life, is that God creates every single person with and for a purpose. It's purposeful. God doesn't do anything just by accident. God doesn't do anything just because, eh, I don't know, I feel like it, and if, it's, if, I, if it doesn't work out, it's okay. No. God has a purpose, and so God creates every person from the womb on, in the womb, and all the way on, for a purpose and with a purpose. Your life has meaning. It does. It has meaning. I want to encourage you with that. It has meaning. You might not think it does, but God's perspective is your life has meaning. Look at verse 16. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Before even I was born, before I lived even one day, all my days were already mapped out for me. That's what God is saying. Every step, every day, every breath, it was mapped out by God. God knew it all along. He had and has a plan and purpose for you. Let me just make this as simple as possible because we could have a long discussion biblically and, and studies and comedy. We should. But let me just make it simple for you what, what God's plan and purpose for you is. It's very simple. Three simple steps. First, that you would have a relationship with him through his son Jesus. That's God's plan and purpose for you. Second, that you would worship him. That you would worship him. God created you. And so you would worship Him. And thirdly, God created you so that you could have a relationship with Him and worship Him so that you could use your God-given skills, your abilities, and your gift set to point others to their Creator, the Lord God, who says that my life is sacred. And it's awesome. All the things about it and that come at me may not be awesome, but my life is awesome because God gave it to me. We sang this amazing song 
don't know if we did it in second service. Maybe I was thinking and praying while we were singing it. But there's a line in the song, and in the first service we sang it, so I wrote it down. It says, let my life before your glory. And then it says, now I need my glasses. And where are they? Because I, I, I scribble here, right? Oh yeah, it says, let my life before your glory, woven by your threads of grace. It's all God. We're all created for Him. And He's still in the womb by His grace. He's forming us. He's weaving us. And He's still threading things together. The circumstances, the people in our lives, our physical situation, our mental state, our financial status, whatever it is. And He's weaving it all together by His grace for His purpose and for His glory. You are unique. Right? I don't mean to call people out and embarrass them. But man, Jeremy, you're unique. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and that's why you thank God for it. That's awesome. Right? You're unique. I don't mean to call people out, but Muffy, you are as unique as they come, man. And I don't mean that in a negative way. We, you know, it's a cool thing. I, it's an amazing thing. It's a powerful thing. I mean, Sidonia, I don't even have to say it. You're laughing already. You are unique. You are one of a kind. I'm one of a kind. Every one of us is one of a kind. And God knew it when He created us in the womb. And then He had a plan and a purpose and He made us sacred and He knew us already. And now He's got a plan and purpose because I don't have your gifts. I don't have your skills. I don't have your mindset. I don't have the things that God has for me. But we've all got to work together. And it's an amazing picture of what it's all supposed to be like in God's plan where He weaves it all together and we become His, right? We're connected to Him. But then He weaves each of us together with our skills and uniqueness. And we, we become this beautiful task the body of Christ with all our unique gifts and abilities that 1 Corinthians 12 tells us about. And even, can I take it outside the church? Because this is where we do it, and we glorify God here when we use our gifts, and we understand that each of our lives are sacred and holy to God, and we respect each other that way. It also goes outside the walls, and it's to the community, and all humans, even who don't love God or know God or care for God, God still loves you. Their lives are sacred, and so we take it out, and God still is trying to weave with their lives and to bring them into his kingdom. So there's this beautiful weaving process in something called the body of Christ that keeps on going because God has a plan and purpose. It's an amazing, beautiful picture. Life is sacred. You are unique. Here's the thing. Here's, here's the conclusion to the matter. The concept, the concept that all human life bears God's image is one of the most essential foundations of Western civilization. And it comes from the Judeo-Christian, Judeo roots. It has roots in Judaism. It comes from there. Christianity introduced this biblical concept to the Roman Empire at a time when some men were considered to be little g-gods. And others were regarded as little better than animals. And see, listen. Listen well. This notion of the divine image in man gives us the two moral pillars of our society which are stated in the opening lines of the Declaration of Independence. And no, this is not about politics. This is scriptural principles. That's all I'm bringing out here and just, just relating them to, our, constitu- to our, our, our Declaration of Independence and to who we are and who God wants us to be. That first is this. The first one is that the first pillar is the equality of human life. Every person is equal before God and therefore should be respected as equal by the law and by all other institutions of human society. Quote, all men are created equal. And then it says other things. That's what it says. 
that all men are created equal. But no, you're not, because life is cheap. You're unvaccinated. You belong over there. You shouldn't even get hospital care. You should die because you're, you're not vaccinated. And we have that party. How is that honoring the truth that all human life is sacred? Then you have the other side. Well, you're vaxxed and you're crazy and you're off the wall and you're nuts and who knows what's going on. And then we pigeonhole them there and we put them in this corner and we categorize them there. Then we say, well, you're this and you're that and so on and so forth. Well, and we just put people in these places and we're disrespecting and we're not listening and we're not patient and we're not just, we're not honoring the principle that there's equality of human life. And it's rooted in the sacredness of human life which God created. How many of you have done that? Don't tell me you haven't. In your minds. And I'm sorry to be so direct. Well, I'm not. Because you know how I am. We've done that. And we've seen that. And don't tell me that's helpful to any civilization to do stuff like we've been experiencing. And I'm not being political. I'm not. That's not the issue. The issue is it's both sides. If you want to talk about sides. And it's not even that side. It's, it's many other issues. Many, many other issues that we've done that and we put people in this corner and we say you're this or you're that. Forget it. You're less. You're not as important. Your thoughts are stupid. They're not grounded in science. When all along what you've been saying is not even scientific and so on and so forth. And we go on and on. It's craziness. And we're not ascribing equal dignity and worth to all humans. And we look at someone on that, in that camp as lesser. What? That does not reflect the image of God. It does not reflect the heart of God. It doesn't reflect the intentions and purposes of God for His people, the church most of all, but then just humanity in general, which we're supposed to be impacting and influencing, and yet we're buying into this, and before we know it, we don't really mean that we believe in the sacredness of all human life. And all we think about is, well, I don't believe in abortion. Watch out. Be careful. Secondly, the second pillar is that there's a sanctity of human life. All innocent human life is sacred. And therefore, every person has a fundamental individual right to life which cannot be infringed without due process of law. It says in the Declaration of Independence that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are... What's the first word? Say it again, loud. Life. 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 Forget the pursuit of happiness and everything else. That's life. But life is cheap today. I have mentioned this in the past, and I'm going to mention it again, and we're going to pray. I don't like Sanctity of Human Life Sunday or emphasizing it on a certain day on the calendar. I don't, I don't like it. I don't. I, I don't like it. And no, it's not about that it's got to be all the time. It's not even that. It's not why. It's not it. You know why I don't like it? Well, I guess because I'm guilty. <laughs> but I don't like it because I'm reminded that that we have to say things to one another that human beings shouldn't have to say. I don't like it. See, mothers, 
Mothers shouldn't kill their children. Fathers shouldn't abandon their babies. See, no human life is worthless regardless of skin color, age, disability, economic status, and the list goes on again. Whatever category you want to make, God almost doesn't... And I, he almost doesn't see these categories. He does, but He almost doesn't. We make more and more categories. God, forgive us. And the very fact that these things have to be proclaimed is a reminder of the horrors of this present darkness that life is cheap. This is hard for me to say, but I'm going to say it because I wrote it down. So, there are babies that are they're, they're just being woven in their mother's womb right now. And they might be right in our neighborhood, right around this church building. They might not be here tomorrow. There are children and women, and again, maybe even right around the corner here, who are going to be slapped, who are going to be punched, who are going to be burned with cigarettes before nightfall. I'm also reminded that there are elderly men and women who are languishing away, if you want to put it that way, as somebody I'm quoting, I don't even know who it was, they're languishing away in loneliness, and their lives are pronounced to be a waste. You're old and useless, just die already. I'm sorry, but that's, life is so cheap now. At the same time, I do rejoice. There's a certain part of me that rejoices that we have to affirm this and remind ourselves of the sanctity of human life because God created us. And it's this. Because then I think about that even in our congregation here. That everything you may have gone to, through, things I don't even know and nobody knows, or things that some of us do know that we've gone through, right? Whether, whether we've gone through them as victims, whether we've gone through them as perpetrators, or whether we were just bystanders who neglected to do anything to save a life or to spare harm to a life. That we've experienced forgiveness for all the ways that we have violated the truths out of our text this morning. And you know what that means? That means that each one of us are guilty. But yet at the same time, I'm thankful that we have found forgiveness. That there is forgiveness for the things we've done, mistakes we've made, and then we tried to fix them with terrible decisions that violated the principle and foundational truth that all life is sacred. God can forgive, and He does, and I'm thankful. God created you in His image. He knew you before you were even conceived. And he still does know you, everything about you. And listen, don't forget, your life was given for a purpose. And it's so valuable, it's so valuable that he took great measures. And he himself came down to earth in human form through his son Jesus Christ and died for you. So that you can realize again 
how valuable your life is and how valuable you are to God. And that your life and all human life is sacred. Let's pray. Lord, you see my heart, you see my mind, my thoughts. In fact, you see all of our thoughts and our minds and you know where we need healing and you offer it and you offer it quickly when we just come to you for all the ways that we have, Lord, just ignored and violated this this truth that all human life is sacred. So I just simply pray this. I pray that this idea of sanctity of human life Sunday or any day on the calendar would seem and it would become unnecessary. Help us to be people who value life, who value others, so you could be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.